Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at Coastline Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Great to worship with you. Great to be in God's house with you. Thank you for coming today. And yes, I'm starting a new series called We Are the Church, and I want you to try that on with me. Can we say it together? We are the church. Yeah, let's say it again. We are the church. Um, this, This series is really about us just being reminded of who God has called us to be as his people, specifically as a congregation, as Coastline Church, and then as part of the bigger church. You know God is doing a lot out in his world beyond what we're doing. And we understand that and we honor that. But we want to be part of it, yeah? We want to be part of the church. So we're, we are the church. That's the name of this series. Um, and before we get into that, I want to give you a little bit of a church update. Um, and that is, you know, you know, we've had some transitions. We said goodbye. Last week, you heard from Pastor Adam. His farewell is today out in the West Shore. And then he's headed off to Winnipeg. Uh, Pastor Lucas preached his first message in Saskatoon last Sunday. And um, yeah, we know, we know God is good and God is using them and we're thankful for them. I sort of feel, I sort of feel like um, they got kicked out of the Garden of Eden, like Adam and Eve. Um, and, but we're not going to put up a flaming sword. If they want to come back, they can come back. But like, you know, this is the promised land. I'm not sure why they would leave. Maybe they did something wrong and God moved them out. I'm just kidding. These are great people and we're so happy to celebrate next steps. And they're taking their next step. They're moving forward. And so we celebrate that. And in the meantime, we need to create a plan for how we're going to work here. And so church update, basically, I'll let you know God's blessed us. We have a great team here and uh, we're going to be served well by that team. And so we've created a transitional plan for our evening services that Pastor Lucas looked after and a transitional plan for the West Shore. And so I'm very happy to tell you that Pastor Laura and James are going to be going out to the West Shore as the new interim (laughs) campus pastors out there. So... uh, Pastor Laura's been on staff for 17 years. She's wise, she's gifted, she's called, uh, and she's going to do a tremendous job there. And for those of you that, James, can you just wave? I know people know you. This is James. Yeah. And James is is called and gifted in worship. And uh, James, uh, both his dad and grandpa were uh, pastors. And so he's third generation, picking up the torch. torch. Probably tried not to do that, but sorry, buddy. When it's on you, it's on you. So you got to do it. So uh, together, they're going to lead out there and just bring strength. And uh, I'm so thrilled. I'm so proud of them and thankful for their yes. In fact, why don't we just pray for them? Because they're starting a new adventure next week, hey? They're taking their next step. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for James and Laura. And we just pray that you would bless them, anoint them, prepare them in every way. Thank you for the the years of preparation behind the scenes. Thank you for the journey of their lives and for their next step. We just pray that you would anoint them and bless them and use them in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. So we want to support them. 
we want to stand behind them. And also, uh, for the evenings, we've put together a team with some of our, our great staff. Uh, pastor Brendan Machowski is our youth pastor, so he's going to take lead on Sunday nights at that young adult service along with Cindy, who's um, on our staff uh, as a youth ministry assistant. And then um, a number of others are going to join that team. I'll be, I'll be there a little bit more because I'm still cool, okay? Like, I'm, I'm cool. I'm 49, but I'm cool, all right? You know, speak positively, look in the mirror, say, you're cool. Okay. Anyway, so we're going to work on this together. Um, God's given us a great team with great strength. And so pray for us, support us, get behind those leaders, encourage them, bless them, pray for them. Okay. So let's say it again. We are the church. We are the church. You know, I grew up in church. I'm a church kid. I I grew up in Sunday school, flannel boards, um, memory verse, the whole thing. And I love church. But when I felt God begin to call me into the ministry, I began to take seriously the reading of my Bible. And when I would read my Bible, I found that there was a problem. And the problem was there was this disparity between what I saw in Sunday school or in my church and what I read in the book of Acts, what I read about the early church, about the power and the passion, I wasn't necessarily seeing that. In fact, I was sort of seeing the gap, and it was like, man, what I'm reading pales um, in comparison to my reality. My reality is so much less than what I'm reading in the Bible. And, and I kind of discovered that, you know, Christians have great intentions. And, and as a church kid, you kind of grow up in church, and you don't realize that for those who are maybe on the outside looking in, it's a little bit boring. And for Christians, sometimes we're excited about things that are actually sort of disconnected to those who are on the outside looking in. And, and I realized that one of, the, one of the calling cards of the church is play it safe. And yet when I read the Bible, I see Jesus and there's nothing safe about him, right? Nothing safe at all. Like he came and he was reckless. He was touching lepers and healing them. He was blessing and befriending prostitutes, and he was enlisting tax collectors. I mean, he was doing all the things he shouldn't do. And yet what he was saying is that I've come to bring something that, that actually penetrates the world around us. And so I, I guess I kind of had this problem. You know, when I saw Christians and, and growing up as a Christian myself, I found myself with a very narrow lens. I found at times I could be very judgmental, and I had others that would agree with me in my judgment. And, and when it came to those on the outside, I just thought, you know, they were wrong, and I was right. I disagreed. I, I would hold my ground. And yet, what I found is that when I look at Jesus, he was the one who was saying, man, I love those who hate me. Those who want to kill me, I love them. I'm going to pray that they be forgiven. God, don't hold this against them. When we see Jesus, he blessed those who persecuted him. He, he welcomed those who religion rejected. And so there's this disparity. And so I remember, I remember these very pivotal moments where I was like, God, I want to serve you. But I want to serve you in a way that doesn't, you know, just continue to perpetuate this example, this model of the church that I grew up in, although a great church, I would have to say honestly, it was way too safe. It was way too safe. And so fast forward to today, I stand here many, many years later, I won't tell you how many, but a few, and I thank God for a church that I'm a part of. And I say, you know, with great, great confidence and joy that we're the church. We're the church. Coastline Church is part of the church. And 10 years ago, this spring, 
um, we created a pathway through God's direction to communicate the mission that we're called to. And we said it this way, that Coastline Church exists to help people take the next step in their spiritual journey by revealing the life-giving message of Jesus. So we are a people of next steps. And we realize that the only way we grow is to move, hey? You grow when you move, when you change. Spiritual development comes with movement. It, you, you gotta take a step. You gotta take another step. You gotta move. Because once you stop, you grow stagnant. You stop changing. You stop growing. You stop becoming. In fact, I believe that even as a, as a, a minister in you know, vocational ministry, I have to keep being reinvented by the Holy Spirit. So I hope the pastor that you have today is not the one that started, you know, 22 years ago. I hope this is a different person. And I hope in five years you'll say, man, that's it. We, we have a new pastor again because churches need new pastors. Hopefully I can be that new pastor. If I ever get to the place where I can't change, where I can't become what God is calling me to become, I need to go. And so it's, you don't need to get a new pastor by firing me and hiring someone else. You need a new pastor because the Holy Spirit makes me new, right? And it's the same for you. It's the same in your life. It's a new season, and God wants to do something new in his church. And so we all have a next step. It's, this is our way of saying we're going to be Jesus-centered. We're going to be a church that's built on honoring Jesus. Why? Because we want people to take steps in their journey through the life-giving message of Jesus, growing in the message of Jesus, which is a message of transformation, a message of change. It's not a safe way to live your life. God calls us somewhere, and he encourages us to grow, and so we'll be a church that welcomes everybody like Jesus did, that says there's a place for you to everyone, and also challenges every person to keep on growing. Spiritual maturity comes when we move and when we help others move. It's the best way to live your life. So everybody has a next step, and this series is based on who we are as next step people. We are the church. So I think the way to go about this is to go back to the beginning. Let's look at where the church began. Let's look in Acts chapter two. And I'm gonna take you to a passage in just a moment, but before I get there, let me just say that the lead up to this is that God comes and visits these early Christians, these disciples of Jesus, in a very profound way, on the day of Pentecost, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter gets up and starts to preach, and as he preaches, people are cut to the heart. 3,000 are saved and added to the church in a single day, and that is the beginning of the church. So here's what I have to say. The very first church was a big church. I, I like big churches. I like big churches because I like big impact. I like big witness. I like, I like being able to affect change. And so I'm not against big churches at all. In fact, I love them. And I'm so glad we have very little room in this room today. Aren't you glad for that? Now, I... I think churches of all shapes and sizes are good, but I think big churches have got a bad name. And I want you to remember that the very first church was really, really big, right? And then from there, spread out all over the place. So may we multiply, just like that early church. But I'm okay to be a big church. And, and really, after just a short time, they had to start to define what they were going to be about. What are the things that this church is going to value? And so that's really where I want to take you today. In Acts chapter 2, we're going to read in verse 42 down to verse 47. And we're going to see sort of the texture, 
the value system of that early church. And it's very, very challenging. And it's not safe at all. And so let's read it together. Words will be on the screen. The verses will come up. If you want to look in your Bible, you can. What I'm reading is the same as what's in the Bible in uh, in the back of the the, uh, pew in front of you. So you can grab it. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves. That's going to be key today, so just keep that in mind. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So I'm going to pause for this moment. Those are the four things that were prioritized for them. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. Verse 43 says that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to one another, to anyone who had had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And this is the coolest part. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They started at 3,000 and they just grew from there. Daily, people were being added. This is transformation. This is a city on fire. This is the church being the church in the most impactful and earliest example we can say, boy, that's not a safe way to live. That's not a normal way to live. But normal doesn't work, so we're going to just have to be a little different. We're going to have to be a little weird because we're the church. And the church does things differently. So here's the problem. The problem is you read a verse like that, and you go, wow, that's pretty amazing. And then we look at the modern church, and we see the disparity. Now, I'm so thankful I'm so thankful that these verses are written the way they are. And I'm so thankful that the writer of Acts chapter 2, whose name was Luke, didn't write it in what I'm going to share with you now as the modern-day Andy Moore unauthorized version. Okay? I'm so glad that Luke didn't have to sit down and write, they were devoted to their comfort, happiness, personal goals, dreams, and bucket lists. Aren't you glad he didn't have to write that? Aren't you glad that you didn't have to write, no one really noticed the Christians because they were focused on themselves? Aren't you so glad that Luke didn't have to write, very few of the believers were together, and when they were, they fought about stupid things? Aren't you so glad that he didn't write, if they sold anything, they used the money to buy something better for themselves? Ooh, that one stung just a touch. Sorry about that. Aren't you so glad that he didn't say they claimed to love God, but they didn't even really love each other, so they felt empty, alone, and depressed. And as a result, most people disliked them, and very few lives were changed. Unauthorized, fallible version of Acts chapter 2. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that he didn't write that? If he did, it wouldn't be worth writing. If he did, it wouldn't be worth reading. The reason why this is so impactful is because of how different it is to what the modern church has become in many ways. But we're the church. And so in some of those, some of those examples, we can say, oh, that's someone else's challenge. In some of these examples, we're going to have to say, that's my challenge. But the truth is, God has something better for his church. Amen? And if we want different results, we're going to have to have a different mindset. And so I'm just going to talk to you today about what it looks like to be the church. And I'm going to give you three thoughts that are out of Acts chapter 2. We're going to call these three mindsets for our church 
out of Acts chapter 2. And the first one is this. We say, we are the church. Come on, say it with me. We are the church. And that means, number one, we will be an intensely devoted church. Because we're the church, we're going to be intensely devoted. Let's look at that first verse again, okay? It's from Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Those are the four things that they devoted themselves to. And we could take, we could take the whole service. In fact, we could do the, each one of those as a series themselves. But just help, let me help you here. This is talking about prioritizing God's word, prioritizing God's people, prioritizing the sacraments of, of reflection on who Jesus is and prioritizing prayer. That's what they did. Those were their priorities. But the word devoted is even stronger than priority. In fact, this word devoted in the New Testament is one of the most important words that you should understand and that you should learn in your life from the New Testament. They devoted themselves. This word is proskaterio. It's a Greek word, and this word means to live in a constant state of relentless pursuit. It means to be persistent, to be ongoing. Listen, to be obstinate in devotion. Many people are obstinate. But are they obstinate in devotion? I love this picture. Relentless pursuit. Come on, somebody. Are we proskaterio? The church is proskaterio. We will be intensely devoted. So everybody's proskaterio about something. Did you know that? We're all passionate about certain things. We're all pursuing certain things. You know, many people are proskaterio about their kids. Oh, man, just adore their kids, love their kids, relentlessly pursuing their children and their children's best interests and their children's future. Many people are proskaterio about their career, about building it, about developing it, about, about expanding it. Many people are proskaterio about their hobbies, about the thing that they love. They call it their passion point. It's the thing that they want to invest in and develop. Many people are proskaterio about their lifestyle, about their financial success or their house or their vacation. Or some people are really proskaterio right now about getting Taylor Swift tickets. Anybody in the house? Proskaterio. But when we look at the early church, what we see is that these Christians weren't casual, were they? I mean, when we see what they're into and what they're doing, they're not comfort-oriented, cultural Christians. No, 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 no. They were full-on, all-in, sold out. They were devoted to Jesus and to his church. They were proskaterio. And it's challenging for me to be intensely devoted like that. Wow, it's challenging. Now, I want you just to think about this for a moment. If we count today... We've got 50 Sundays, 50 Sundays still left in this year, if we count today. And can you imagine, listen, can you imagine if you turned your proskaterio, your relentless pursuit toward the things of God? Wow, can you imagine if you were proskaterio about reading God's word, about serving his church, about investing in your small group or giving financially or praying daily? Can you imagine if you, remember, we all have a next step. If you chose one of these or chose them all and said, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna go on a relentless pursuit of these values like those early Christians did, what kind of a person would you become this year? What kind of church would you help build? And now here's the danger. The danger is I turn into Tony Robbins and I become your motivational speaker, right? 
The danger is that I, I start to twist your arm a bit and you feel like, oh, Pastor Andy's making us, he's, no, I just feel bad, I'm terrible, self-loathing, awful, me, right? I don't want that. And neither does the Lord. That's not what the Holy Spirit is after. But I just have this sense I have this sense from the Lord. I have this sense, you know, deep inside of me that what God wants to do is to set a yearning in you that you haven't experienced before because it fits the season. And if God is calling us to this relentless devotion, then may he be the one that puts it in your heart. May May he be the one who gives you the deep yearning. May he be the one that causes you to rise with a sense and says, God, I have a vision for something great in my life. I have a vision. And that's what I want to see happen. That's what I believe, that God wants to give you a vision for this. Your desire, your yearning, your willingness to be a part of an intensely devoted church. We are the church. Come on, say it with me. We are the church. And because we are the church, we will secondly be irrationally Generous. We will be an irrationally generous church. Did you know that this early church was irrationally generous? It's absolutely crazy what they did. What they did was absolutely unprecedented. They pooled their resources. They pulled together. They gave to everybody. They were, they were crazy. They were reckless. And as a result, they met incredible needs. And nobody went hungry or without what they needed. It was absolutely incredible. Remember, they sold their possessions. They gave to anyone who had need. And here's the results in chapter 4, verses 33 and 34. It says this, And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that were there, all, all that, were, that there were, had no needy person among them. So basically what it's saying here is that the grace of God pushed them forward. And as a, as a result, the, the Lord pushed them forward and they became this impetus for meeting needs all over the place. And, and I just want you to know, this is our story as a church. Think back to a hundred years, friends, a hundred years of generosity, a hundred years of meeting needs, a hundred years of sending missionaries of sending money to the global church. A hundred years of of raising up leaders and sending out pastors and and missionaries. A hundred years of investing in the kingdom of God. We're talking about a great, great generosity. But I want you to know, I'm really thrilled about that, but I'm just as excited, if not more excited, about what happened in 2023. Because you're a generous church. You're irrationally generous. And what you did is absolutely beautiful. And I'm going to share a little bit of it. But let me just say this. In the height of a financial slowdown, you gave more than you have ever given to the kingdom of God. You gave more this year, this last year, than you've ever given to the kingdom of God. And I'm not just talking about your regular giving. I'm talking about your above and beyond giving. And so listen, we've been working together and had dreams and goals about reaching our city, about about opening up a daycare. We let you know about the need. Anybody want to know how we did for Heart for the House? Let me share with you. Okay, we're going to put the numbers up right here. This is Heart for the House for 2023, right there. 
$612,552.31. Thank you for whoever gave the 31 cents. I like it. The number looks longer, okay? Thanks for that. Now, the reason why this number is so powerful is because to this point, we had never broken the $300,000 mark for Heart for the House. Look what you did, church. You're irrationally generous. Irrationally generous. You know, and, and we have Kingdom Builders. Kingdom Builders has been in our heart since 2019. We started Kingdom Builders in 2019 as a way to fund the work of God in, in uh, global missions, in local church expansion and outreach, and into future generations, into working with uh, future Christian leaders. And so we began in 2019 to say, let's pull our resources together and let's do something that is really remarkable. And I had this dream. I remember back in 2019 sitting with Lisa and saying, Lisa, wouldn't it be amazing if someday, someday Kingdom Builders brought in a million dollars? Like, can you believe that? Can you believe, like, wow. Well, guys, I need to get a new dream because here it is. In 2023, $1,005,316. You are an irrationally generous church. And some of you say, that's great, but where did the money go? Well, let me just put up a slide that has a few of the projects that we were working on this last year. That's where it went. All those places. All those moments of impact. And listen, don't just see those as words on a screen. See the people behind them. See the refugees See the newcomer to Canada. See the young person. See the vulnerable. See the hurting. See the hungry. See them. Because that's what this is all about. These are the people that you touch with your irrational generosity. And so, listen, we went through COVID together in uh, 2020, 2021. Those were tough years. 2022 was recovery. And then 2023, we see these kind of numbers. But since Kingdom Builders began to this point. You as a church have given this much money to the world, to the global church, to the local church, to those that are developing. 2.7, almost $2.8 million. So those are a lot of big numbers, but I just wanted to prove the point. I'm not here to tell you you're not doing a good job, church. I'm here to tell you you're the church. You're the church, and you're doing what God has called you to do. You're irrationally generous. We are the church. And so we will lead the way in irrational generosity. People will look at us and say, how in the world are they doing that? How in the world does that even make sense? How did they come up with that kind of money? How do they have that kind of impact? And that's because there is an irrational generosity in people who know that we truly are more blessed when we give than when we receive. Amen? Amen. And so we are the church. We'll be intensely devoted will be irrationally generous. And thirdly, let me tell you, we will be irresistibly loving. Irresistibly loving. There's something about the testimony of love that simply cannot be undone. And listen, listen to me. We live in a culture that is redefining love. But we as a church are refusing the definition because it's a reduction. 
It takes the love of God and makes it small and puts boundaries around it. But we serve a God who is boundless and we have an example in Jesus that everybody gets loved. Everybody deserves love and every person should be loved for God so loved the So don't reduce love. Don't reduce love. Let it be large. Let it be massive. Let it include those who disagree with you. Let your love include those who uh, hate you like Jesus did. Let those who, you, who would call you their enemy be loved by you. Why? Because love is our best testimony. It's our best testimony. When people are angry with us, let's love them. When people misunderstand us, let's love them. When people call us prudish because they don't understand our purity, say, just love them. Let's let love be the thing that they cannot get around. In fact, it was, it was the impenetrable strength of the early church. They loved in a way that people simply could not resist. Let's have irresistible love. And I want it to be here when we gather on a Sunday. I hope you feel welcome. I hope it feels invitational. I hope you know you can have a small group. You can receive care. If you need prayer today, please don't leave without prayer. Right over here after service, we'll have prayer. Pastor Chris will let you know. Because we want to love you. We want you to feel love when you come here. But we can't wait for people to get here because the room is full, but there's so many more people in our city. So we can't just love in here. We have to love out there. Would you agree with me? And so how do we do that? Well, we do that through the welcome wagon and through ESL and through mini markets and through, you know, our mini markets didn't have enough food. So let's open a farm. Let's plant seed and let's actually produce a harvest and let's feed more people. Why? Because love is our best testimony. And that's why we give globally. And that's why we're opening a daycare. And that's why we continue to minister to youth and to children. And that's why we want to train leaders to do more. Why? Because we want the love of God to be on display. We want it to be on display. But you have to understand this. The Bible says that they'll know that we're Christians by our love. And that's not just a love that happens to be warm and fuzzy. It's a love that, be, that brings unity. You see, because the truth is love is on display when we function in unity. And so God's calling us to this. And listen, that was one of the hallmarks of those early Christians. In verse 44, it says, All the believers were together and had everything in common together and in common. That's a sense of unity. The passage that we read this morning has three times within it, it says the word together. It says they met together, um, they were together, they ate together. There's something powerful about together. And as we as a church navigate a new season, as we move um, into new places with new leaders, as we say goodbye to some leaders that we have loved and trusted over many years, and now there's a new season for us. How are we going to get through this? Some of you are praying for us. Thank you for praying for the staff. Please keep praying for us. But let me tell you this. The way we're going to get through this is by doing it together. It's unity. We're going to stay together. We're not going to say, oh, it used to be like that, or this person used to do that, and now this person does this. We're not going to do that. We're going to stay together. We're going to pull together. We're going to do it together. Because unity puts love on display you know, that's how we honor God. We honor God by choosing love. Listen, God's calling us to fall in love with the work that he does through his church. God wants you to fall in love with his work through his church. And so that, what that means is that I have to approach church differently. 
I don't come to church as a consumer. I come as a contributor, right? I don't come just to receive. I come to give as well. I'm, I'm able to say the church does not exist for me or for us. We actually are the church. It's not something that I come to. It's not a place I go. It's who we are. We are the church, and we exist for the world. We are the messengers. We are the sent ones. We belong to him, and he wants to make himself known through us. He preaches his good word through us. Amen? And so let's be the church. And when we say these things, when we know these things, when we live these things, the testimony of our love is utterly irresistible. In a world that's so self-centered, that, that has the audacity to look across the relationship and say, this is what love looks like. We say, hold on a second. I'm going to love you no matter what. Hate me. Persecute me. In the words of Jesus, crucify me. And in the end, I'm going to still choose to love you. Now, church, that's hard to do. But that's the call of the church. You love. You let your love be on display. Don't choose arrogance. Don't, don't choose a path that puts you in, at odds with people. Just love them. Love them right where they are. And let's watch God do the most amazing work that could ever be done. Because here's the results of that kind of love. Are you ready for it? It's right at the end of what we read before. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. When love is on display, we can be sure people will take steps toward Jesus and fruit will happen and growth will take place. Love is our greatest testimony, church. And it's also our greatest challenge in the days that we live right now. Let's be the church. Let's put it on display. Let's be intensely devoted. And, and beyond that, let's be irrationally generous. And let's be irresistibly loving. Pray with me. Let's bow our heads together and take just a moment here. Because if I, if I know what the Lord is up to today, I, I, would, I would guess that there are some of you that are ready to join me in saying that I, I choose, I got 50 weeks left, I choose to be devoted and generous and loving. That's my choice. So God help me with my words, with my actions, with my, with my finances, God. Help me to be loving and generous and devoted. Many of us are here today and we're saying, God, we love you and we love your church. And we're so thankful for the example, that high example of the early church. Lord, put that fire in me. Put that love in me. Put that generosity and devotion in me, Lord. That I might be the kind of person that you've called me to be. That I might be a part of the church that you've called me to be. Lord, our choice is proscatario. We will relentlessly pursue you and your best in 2024. I'm just going to keep praying for a moment. Just, you know, in a room this size, I'm certain that there are people here who've come and, and you're carrying doubts, you're carrying fears, you're carrying brokenness from the wounds of life. Maybe you're just really aware of the sin that holds you back. 
And I just want to invite you, just like this is what the early church did, I just want to invite you to come to Jesus because he loves you. I pray that love becomes irresistible for you. You, you might even feel a tug of war inside about bowing your knee to Jesus or, or relinquishing your will to him. I want you to know the reason why you feel that is because it's real and he's calling to you and he wants you. He wants a relationship with you. Your life matters to him. He has a plan for your future. So I invite you simply to come to Jesus. Come to him. Lay your life before him. Release your will and receive his perfect will. Maybe you're here today and you need this image. You know, the Bible says that Jesus stands at the door of our hearts knocking. And he says, if you open the door, I'm gonna come in. So not only does he invite you to him, he comes to you. And that Jesus is knocking on your door today. Open it and let him in. Because the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. So right now in this moment, would you do that? If that's what you need, if you need the saving power of Jesus to rescue you from where you're at right now, if you want a remedy for the, the, the fears and the doubts that you're plagued with, if, if you want healing from brokenness and you want, you want cleansing from sin, then reach out to Jesus. Reach out to him right now. Say, Jesus, take my life. Be my savior. Be Lord here. I bow to you. I want your will, not mine. Jesus will respond to that prayer. And that is the first and the greatest step that you will take in your spiritual life. So Lord, you hear those and you see those who are reaching out to you right now. Gently lead them, Lord. Gently lead them. Lovingly guide them. Tenderly care for them, Lord, as they draw near to you. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. Amen. It's always, always so good to be with you. I want to invite you to stand to your feet. We're going to sing a closing song. and I just want to just invite you to be the church. Why don't you be an expression of love? Extend a hand. Spend an extra minute or two with someone. Meet somebody new. Grab a name. Maybe you've been kind of living a bit isolated. Jump in a small group. Freedom groups are starting this week. Great place for you. You know, just, uh, just step into the community that God has given you because we're the church and God has so much for us. Amen? Yeah. Bless you. Love you very much. Let's sing together.